racing for that finish line. We're right out of the game. Good night, everybody. Yeah, it's a good pleasure. I missed you. I'm sure you did. I missed you so much. I'm sure. So much. Just like Finn, Finn Balor misses his shoulder. Mm. How was your first week of class, dude? First night. Yeah, um, I know. I mean, but. Yeah. Oh, great. Excellent. Yeah? I'm a little stunned, though. Why? Well, we're doing a movie poster. Redesigning and illustrating a movie poster. Mm-hmm. They get to pick the movie. Mm-hmm. They get to approach it any way they want. They could change the the lineup of the actors in the movie. They could do Star Wars mm-hmm. with nothing but gerbils if they want. I don't care. Make it work. So I, I'm showing them bad examples of, of movie posters, and I'm showing them examples of great movie posters. Okay. They've never seen Jaws. What? They don't. They don't know what. Um, I showed them Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nothing. Oh Lord! Like, like I said, uh, how about The Exorcist? Oh no, no. Fantasy Jaws. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of posters of like Knocked Up and I Love You, Man. <laughs> one of them. One of them wants to do the room. I'm like, okay, sweetheart, you want to do the room? So, <laughs> how many kids are we talking? Seven. And and the ages are these are college age kids. Yeah, juniors in college. Oh, so what do you figure? Like 22, 23? No, a lot younger than that. Oh really? Twenty. Oh okay. Twenty one when they graduate. So. No, they're they're a really bright, talented bunch of kids, but they're young. Mm. And I think I threw them for a loop because sitting them down, I said, "I have no restrictions or rules here. Uh, Whatever you want to do, you do." Can draw in feces. Did you unzip your pants and then? No. I skip professional. (laughs) Oh my goodness! Is this (laughs) Vince? Is this Vince? No. Uh, how many cutes did? For our listeners at home, all of them. Usually, I show up like eight minutes late. For the record, that's that's generous. That's a, yeah, that's <laughs> Vince showed up forty-four minutes late today. It's the first class. I had to present. But apparently, we would have been recording twenty minutes ago if if anyone had thought to tell me that Vince was at his house. I had no oh. idea you did not have Skype open. I thought you had Skype open because it's Wednesday night and you're waiting for us to connect so you can record. But I didn't know you get pinged and then you open up Skype. Kid has problems. Hey, everybody. <laughs> He's trying to protect my bandwidth. 11. That arrow hole. 11 o'clock comics. Oh, this is all over the freaking place. 11 o'clock comics. What episode? 435. And I am Vince B. Uh, yes, you are, Professor. I am David A. Price. Indeed, you are, and I am Chris Santos. <laughs> uh, significance? He's a famous chef. You are not <laughs> Chris, Chris Santa. You, <laughs> Santos. You are Jason F. and Wood. Cute as a button. What up? What's good? It's popping. Everything. Everything's good today. Man, everything is good. It's it's a pleasure when everything is good. For reals. You know where else everything's really, really good? Where I just placed my order finally. That's right. Yes, sir. Johnny, Johnny, lately. Discount comic book service. DCBService.com where you, all your friends, your loved ones, your animals, your pets can get their comics and get them dirt cheap. Now, remember, this is the last time you're going to hear these specials because the new ones are going to be rolling out very, very soon. From DC, Young Animal. It's a bundle. Save more in a bundle. You can get Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number one, Shade the Changing Girl, number one, and Doom Patrol, yep. number two, yep. for the paltry sum of $5.97. That's crazy. That's half price. Uh, shifting on over to Dark Horse, it's Kurt Busick, Carrie Nord, and Peoples on the Conan Omnibus, Volume 1. It's a trade paperback, not a hardcover. But uh, called Birth of a Legend, 472 pages of awesome Conan action for $12.49. That half price. Again, see the trend? Bananas. And the young upstarts at Image. Uh, this Capullo guy. I heard he's kind of popular. Mm-hmm. With Mark Miller, they're doing a brand spanking new series. It's a sci-fi fantasy thing called Reborn. The first issue of which you can secure for yourself for half the cover price. 
you can get it for $1.99. Amazing. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books all shipped all nice and secure right to your door. Write this down if you don't already know it. DCBService.com. The best. The best. The best. You know what else is the best? Fellatio. <laughs> uh, it can be. Pretty close to the it best. It can be. Um, spaghetti. No. Spaghetti. Uh, wh- and whatever spaghetti. it is you're drinking. Oh, let me go first? Yes. Since you've been waiting with bated breath. Mm-hmm. Once again, Commodore Perry is in my hand. Great Lakes Brewing Company, India Pale Ale. Real good. You love those IPAs. I do. Damn. I had some Blue Moon yesterday. Uh-huh. Like the sum- summer thing. Too sweet. Can't have that? I don't like sweet in my beer. Mm. <laughs> you like sweet in your load, though. Uh, what are you drinking, Jason? Shooting for the NC-17 this week. Gots to. We're starting late enough. Yeah, uh, oh boy. It's like, it's like it's time when you're allowed to curse. It helps when you connect to the Skype. <laughs> <thing>. you... <laughs> I mean... Because it's so hard to reach out and be like, hey, are you not on Skype? Like, we're, we're already. I text, I texted. You did not. Two on this, on the Slack. I did. Dude. I said, leave it in 10. Right. My, my booze. Cause I love you so much. I thought I'd keep you up to date. Yes. And then. I appreciate it. Usually when someone says I'm leaving in 10, when you get home, you say, I'm, I'm home. Give me five minutes. I'm ready. I didn't need five minutes. I came home, grabbed the beers, came down, sat down, connected with David, who was ready. As usual. And then I connect and then I, and then you're talking shit about me and it hurts my feelings. I, no, I did that on purpose. I, so I knew you would hear it. It hurts my feelings though. Mm. But if you tell me what you're drinking, I bet that won't hurt your feelings. <laughs> tell the people at home what you're drinking. <laughs> I am drinking a Caparzo Brunello di Montalcino. Wow. At least it's not water. <laughs> the with bubbles, it's yeah. a wonderful Brunello and from from the yes. description at the at their liquor store, the wine. It's wine. It's red wine. This value from a superb, much hyped vintage is soft and accessible, with silky tannins and plummy flavors. It's good. Nice. Very good. Yeah, you know what? I'm thinking I maybe shift into the wine. <gasps> no, I love you know I love I love the IPAs, but I have to admit, I feel bloated after I have like three or four. Yeah. Years. Yeah, and the wine doesn't make me feel bloated. It makes me feel sleepy. Mm. So Correct. I'd rather be sleepy than bloated. Speaking Definitely. of neither sleepy nor bloated, what are you drinking, David? Uh, I, uh, it's, it's something new. Uh, something uh, borrowed, something blue? It is uh, definitely not blue. And, blue and if it's borrowed, I sure as hell ain't giving it back. This is from California. It is a Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh. Uh, I'm going to call it Ravage, but it's actually Ravage. And it is uh, the back of the bottle. Unlike what Jason says, all it has on it is dark, rich, and audacious. So it's like Vince in a bottle. I am audacious. That's true, and dark. The label's mm-hmm. pretty funky because it, uh, it's got like some Black Knight looking dude jousting with another guy and the other guy That's is being taken down. No, because his armor's black, you bastard. <laughs> racist. Oh, I love it. Hey, I love it. <laughs> do we have thank yous? I believe we do. Uh, yes. Yes, yes, we do. We do. Fuck, we do. We do. Go ahead. Take it away, Vince. Someone, someone go. Well, I don't have it next to me. I was hoping that's why I said David. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> Mine is sitting down in my kitchen. Well, we would like to thank Bobgar or Nilas. Because it is for, on, yes, it's, down, it's downstairs next to my couch too. Yes, for sending us a mini comic. Dude, and, and it's the mini com- this the titles. Yes. If he did mini comics. It's an awesome little book. <laughs> I love it. And, and I gotta say, the drawing is, is next level for Bob Gar. He's trying stuff, different things. Yeah. And they're working really well. Nice. And I love, I don't know if yours was. Mine was on green paper. So was mine. Yours? Yeah. Yeah. See, I love that. When, you know, white, Bob Gar's too good for white. This is going to be printed on green. Yeah. And it so works. It's great. That gamma radiation, son. Truth. Enclosed with a little handwritten note. I loved it. Uh huh. Which I ripped. 
And I was all yeah, mine was stuck to the uh, to the envelope. It's nice Uh-oh. to get something from Happy Bob Gar, not Sad Bob Gar. Seriously, I hate that meme because I know it probably frustrates the piss out of him. <laughs> Everybody just jumps on that. Guess what? You'll never believe it. The notebook I write the uh, show notes in. Yes. I am on the last page. Wow. Yeah. So if anybody out there wants to make an altered book uh, cover, shoot me a um, a notebook, alter the cover, and I will feature you. Sick. On our Facebook. Awesome. Yep. Because nobody wants to write in a plain old notebook. That's true. That's true. So should we dive right into SummerSlam or? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna dive out. I'll see you. <laughs> Uh, oh, you want to talk about NXT TakeOver first? I don't even know what you're talking about. What's NXT? <laughs> adorable. I'm NXT adorable. is the much better developmental league of WWE. Oh. It's become okay, its own I brand. Saw... It has its own shows now. and It's its own thing. It's the, Basically, it's the minor leagues, and they'll eventually get called up to, to the big show. Yeah. Oh. But many people think that, it's better because it's, pu- it's a purer thing. And yeah, mm, there's a reality show now with Cena and Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I well, get that's it. not that's a spinoff of the Total Divas. Yeah, something about Bryan and wife are having their house worked on or something, so they have to live on live with Cena and his wife. Yeah. And well, I guess Cena has a lot of restrictions. Like, yeah, it's like the outcome. yeah. Cena is dating Nikki Bella, not married. They're dating, and then. Daniel Bryan is uh, married to Brie Bella, and so yeah, there's some. I, I, I this this that this previous reek of uh, of a uh, very setup. put upon setup situation, right? Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't even. I would imagine I did they spent like, two weeks together in that house and filmed all this stuff. Oh, that. sure, sure. I did like the new Cena commercial for the hefty bags with uh, my man Rob Schneider. <laughs> I have not seen it yet, so it's awesome. It, but it's um, but it, Cena it, goes over to the hefty, he's a hefty, 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 and and Schneider walks over and picks the wimpy, wimpy, wimpy bags, and it's funny. Oh, hopefully, he'll, uh, Rob Schneider will just stay away from saying something stupid. He'll be able to keep this advertising. You job. can do it. You can do it, David. Like, let's talk about some comics. Coats adorbs. Yeah, just wrestling stuff. Who wants to go first? You do. I do. Yeah, it's a, it's a, let's celebrate your your foray into the teaching world with, okay. with you teaching us something about comics. Well, I'm definitely going to teach you something in this uh, spot because I have in my hands it when it arrived, it ground my week to a halt because as does every issue of this zine, I love it. Will Pfeiffer loves it. I've put it on the Facebook. I've mentioned it here before, but you probably don't remember. It's Comet Bus. Love this scene by Aaron Comet Bus. This issue's number 57. Mm-hmm. Um, yet another iteration of the legendary zine. This time around, though, and this is why I'm mentioning it, because I don't always just mention Comet, Comet Bus. Um, Aaron focuses on a chunk of the New York City comic scene before the city was turned into a corporate-owned sanitized playground for tourists. But not only cartoonists... But the people behind the scenes, you got publishers, editors, retailers, librarians as well. Uh, in the intro, it's, it's a very, if you've ever read Aaron Comet Bus's writing, mm-hmm. it's very unique. Um, and he laments over the fact that he has overlooked the medium of comics, um, over the 35 years since he began publishing and writing this zine. And with this issue right here in my hands, he seeks to take steps to rectify that fact. Um, one of the things that kind of changed his tune was that over the years, he had seen creative people, um, writers and musicians, like come out real strong um, and then burn up or part ways mm-hmm. and like ultimately stop what they do, stop the flow of the creative stuff. Okay. Yet he notes that comics craftsmen, by and large, never seem to falter. In the face of like creative or economic adversity, they de- they just keep plugging along year after year after year after year. Um, and Comet Bus Fifty Seven is chock full of interviews with the comic diehards. Now check out this list. Bring it. Gabriel Bell, 
is interviewed, and you know her from Lucky and The Voyeurs and other works. Robin Enrico, Jeffrey Lewis, who provided the issue's amazing wraparound cover, uh, Julia Wirtz, Bill Cartopoulos, some new guy called Gary Panter. I, I, I don't know. Um, Adrian Tomine is in here. Sick. He's, obs- he's obsessive, by the way. Uh, ben Catchor, Paul Levitz, huh. Drew Friedman, Tora Real Nature Boy, um, He of Warts and All, Old Jewish Comedians, Heroes of the Comics, Karen Green, uh, De- uh, Gabe Fowler, you know, Gabe from Desert Island, Smoke Signal, Comic Arts Brooklyn, uh, Kim Deitch, The Underground Legend, Creative Waldo the Cat, and the last interview in the, the, the scene, Al Jaffe. Al and Jaffe. Nice. And it's really, it's a, of the great interviews in this, in this, they're, they're all really good, but there are great ones. Gary Panther's really great, Paul Levitz, Kim Deitch, and Al Jaffe, because he starts off talking about being envious of Jack Kirby okay. and the great, and the great superhero artist. He's like, I'm a comedy artist. I can't do that. And when I see somebody like Kirby who can bring it and make you believe, he was a little jealous, right? So he talks about Harvey Kurtzman, Stan Lee. Um, I guess Al Jaffe worked on Patsy Walker for a while. I don't know. Okay. Um, and of course, but the thing that really got me, and it got me kind of choked up. He talks about his best friend, Will Elder. Oh, nice. Yeah. And he, he relates this, this really touching anecdote. I want me to read it for you. Please. He says, um, now, Will Elder is, is a depression baby. He didn't have much money coming up. His family didn't have much money. Right. Um, it wasn't a thing. They just, they found a way to exist. And it was hard. Um, he says, I, I remember going out with my closest buddy, Will Elder. Will Elder and I went to junior high school together. And then we went to the high school of music and art together. We hung out all the time. And one day, Willie says, Let's take a walk. We thought maybe we'd walk down to a place where kids played stickball and one of us might be chosen for a game of stickball, something like that. As we were walking down, Willie dipped into his pocket and he pulled out a nickel. And he said, look here, look what I got. And I said, okay, what are you going to do with it? He said, I'm going to buy Pepsi. We went to a candy store and he bought a Pepsi and he asked for two glasses. That's an Aww. awesome story. That is an awesome friggin' story. That is awesome. And it, and it, no, it is. No, and it, it is. goes on about um, Will's association with Kurtzman and how Kurtzman just put the brakes on once um, Playboy and uh, and uh, they they started up the, the magazines at Playboy with the upscale. He said uh, he, he compares Feldstein with Kurtzman and how each man had their different approaches to creating like like uh Feldstein could create quickly and well, but Harvey was a legend. Not to slight Feldstein, but Harvey was a legend, but he was very, very slow. So Feldstein would knock out twelve pages in the same time Harvey would do two, and Jaffe was like, Dude, you just you spent all that time on two pages. Look what look what Al's doing. He's making like whatever times the the money six <laughs> uh times the money as you are you know, and but Harvey wouldn't hear of it. He was a perfectionist. It's this issue. There's so many little anecdotes like that. Um, Panther is sick and tired of Pee Wee. Absolutely sick and tired of being. He said, "On my epitaph, it's not going to say first Gary Panther cartoonist or Gary Fan- Gary Panther painter. It's going to say Gary Panther designer Pee Wee's Playhouse." He's like, "I'm done. I'm tired of hearing about the Pee Wee's Playhouse." <laughs> but you know what? I fi- I kind of find that. I mean, I'm not saying Gary's lying, but I kind of find that hard to believe where you are crucial, a crucial element in this beloved show that instantly conjures up images of your work in the minds of people who hear it. You say Pee Wee's Playhouse, you think of the sets and Cherry and like all the characters that that designed. And how could that be tiring after a while to, to have your name associated with or you know uh, synonymous with greatness 
it 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 doesn't compute. Really? With me. I mean, see, I, I'll I'll just jump in and say I, I definitely understand where he's coming from, right? I mean, the guys, I think from I'm I'm imagining he's had like as you know what better than any of us because you're a massive fan. He's had an immense multi-decade career. Sure. And yet it, it would I would imagine that 99% of the people who know who Gary Panther is know him from Pee Wee. And that's got to be frustrating. It's like, a, you know, it's like a character actor who's done 50 movies but is remembered for playing some one-off character in a hit movie, right? And it's just they, yeah. they're walking in the middle of down the street and don't, no one says, oh, hey, I love you and call you by name. They call you by that movie character and it must get frustrating, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, he's so humble, though. I mean, he's asked, do you feel saddened by that association, meaning Pee-wee's Playhouse, or saddened by other things you've been part of? Mm -hmm. And Panther says, Pee-wee is going to be in my obituary. If I'm lucky enough to have an obituary, it'll be like Gary Panther designed Pee-wee's Playhouse, innovative television show from the 80s. So to me, it's an albatross. It's a nice albatross, but I've always been trying to be a painter. I have a gallery now. I have painting shows. Sorry. I sell paintings, but it's never going to be the first thing listed when you think of me. Mm-hmm. Cartoonist, illustrator, Pee-wee's Playhouse designer will always come first. And maybe that's just because I'm not making good enough paintings. <laughs> wow. Like, he's so freaking humble. And, and, and he doesn't, I don't think the Gary Panther greatness is, he hasn't realized it. Because the man is. He's a freaking legend. Whatever. Um, but the Paul Levitz interview's awesome as well. And it speaks to the man's integrity. He loves comics. Sure. He would never, he would never do anything. Well, we know that right, from yeah. his, his treatment of, of Watchmen. He, he would never do something just to make a buck. Even though he had to straddle that kind of thinking being in the driver's seat like he was for many years. Right. Um, he's, and he, now he's just like, I just want to, I just want to write. I just want to, I don't want to be in charge of things. I just want to, I just want to relax and write. And that's what we've seen for him. This issue of Comet Bus is amazing. Hundred pages, five dollars. Sounds good. What? No, it's great. You can get it from Atomic Books. You can get it from. Um, I mean, record stores sell this thing. It, it's just fantastic. Like I said, when it comes, everything stops. I must read it cover to cover. Well, here's a question on. for you. In a in a one of these days that arrives. Right along with previews, which gets read first. Comic bus. Ooh, it's strong. Big time. Yeah. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Because Aaron's so knowledgeable about punk and publishing and writing and huckstering. Now he's focusing on comics. It's all good. All of it. I mean, I would read him just to, he, the last issue was the, the New York City booksellers and their various idiosyncrasies. That, one would think that would kind of be boring after a while, but a hundred pages of that, I would read three hundred more. Mm-hmm. It just the just the way he he approaches the subjects and his honesty, I love it, love it. Total black and white, and there are there are illustrations of every subject in this, and they were done by um, portraits by Nate Powell. All nice. the portraits in this were done by Nate Powell. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a total comicspedia. Get it. If that's even a word. It is now. Comic Palooza? How about that? Ordered. You'll get hooked. Already am. Right. <laughs> you, like, you don't like punk music, do you? Uh, that's incorrect. You do? I mean, I do, but in a, but in the context of I don't profess to be a punk music expert by any stretch, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much can't think of any well-known punk music that I've heard of the years i didn't like oh like like the blink 182 come on son (laughs) (laughs) oh damn getting Getting all grimy up in here (laughs) you know i love Uh, but no he he focuses on because he was a a a kid on the streets and 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 writing and observing in in southern california all of the those bands coming up and scenes are very important to him he he views things as scenes, mm-hmm. like chunks of a collective of people speaking roughly the same language. And comics to him in this period is just another scene that he unfortunately overlooked for a number of years, and now he's he's correcting that. Sweet. 
greatness. Whew. There you go. Someone's closing the door back there. Somebody's ringing the bell. <laughs> nice. Good reference. <sighs> what, what do we have? I want to hear what you guys read. Uh, so I mentioned this a little bit last week. You know, been pretty hard on Kickstarter lately. Yeah. Um, and let me just say that, uh, Ben Temple Smith should be ashamed of himself. But, uh, totally. but that said, um, every now and then Kickstarter can still do something right. And as I alluded to last week, I received the complete Atomic Robo library as part of a Kickstarter that, uh, Clevenger and Wagner had, had done to essentially create a hardcover matching hardcovers of all of their works. And so I received all nine hardcovers of their work to date. And um, I'm a sucker for hardcovers, as you guys know, but also I had never read Atomic Robo, in spite really? of it being uh, a very well-regarded series for a good chunk of years. Well, see, that's a potentially expensive leap of faith. I'm thinking that probably cost you at least two bills. Uh, I don't think it was that much actually, but it was, it was, yeah, it was probably like 150 if I'm, I don't remember, to be honest. Hmm. Cause it was a while ago, I think it was at least a year ago that we did the campaign, but, um, you know, it, it is, I guess, but on the other hand, um, I have read the Atomic Robo free comic book day books over the years. So I knew what the character was about and I dug it and it just seemed like a really great package for a decent price. Cause I think these sure. hardcovers would be like 30 bucks a piece if you were to buy them. Um, but I read the first two volumes this week, which are titled Atomic Robo and the Fighting Scientists of Tesla Dine. That's volume one and Atomic Robo and the Dogs of War, volume two. So pretty simple concept. And I think that's really where the magic of this, of this series is. Um, Atomic Robo is a humanoid looking robot, a sentient AI robot. Uh, with big blue eyes. Looks a little bit like um, the Iron Giant. Like the face looks like the Iron Giant a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, and the premise is that he was created in 1923 by our boy Nikola Tesla. And he's now an adventurer. Um, and it's very clear to me that Clevenger and Wegener are big fans of Mignola and Hellboy. So it's it's got the same kind of setup. You've got Atomic Robo at the center, having adventures, lots of time hopping. Each each arc takes place at a different time period because he's essentially immortal. Uh, and you're introduced slowly but surely to a ever increasing supporting cast, and we learn more and more about his backstory and his interpersonal relationships. But ultimately, at its heart, and I think what's the, the wonderful thing about the series, and I can see why people have loved it all these years. It's just getting back to the basics of fun comics. You know, Vince, I was laughing as I was reading this because I thought for all the shit that Vince has been giving me of late about pulp, um, I don't know if you've read any Atomic Robo, but this is a very pulpy series. <laughs> I'm coming, Elizabeth. Right? I'm com coming. Right? <laughs> right? Good for you. But it's a lot of fun. It, all grown's up. It all grown's, all grown's up. up. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it... This is not deep comics, right? This isn't Alan Moore. This isn't a Hickman three-year deep dive where all things loop in and intertwine and come out at the end. This is very basic action-adventure. Atomic Robo is a uh, upbeat, competent, look-on-the-brighter-side-of-life adventurer. He's, in a way, it's like um, Iron Giant and Indiana Jones had a love child, essentially. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. So, um, in the first arc, or the first volume rather, it's, it's really an introduction. It's, it's a bunch of, of different, uh, moments from Robo's history. It jumps around decade by decade and, uh, it's essentially just introducing us to the character and the types of stuff he gets into and his backstory. Um, and, and I, I guess what I'm guessing to be his arch nemesis over time, um, another scientist who, uh, ingests or is implanted with some kind of, it looks like an alien heart and it beque- it, be- it gives him immortality and he eventually becomes a, a brain inside of a, an automaton and, uh, I- I'm, I'm just guessing he's, he's going to be the main antagonist throughout the, throughout the series over the years. 
Uh, and then Volume 2, The Dogs of War, as you might guess given the name, it's set in World War II. Uh, there are Nazi super mechs that are um, laying havoc to our forces. So they have to drop Robo into uh, Sicily, and he needs to defeat the mechs and help out the uh, the crew. And then simultaneously Britain, Britain's top covert agent, the Sparrow, who's a, uh, a young woman, and uh, Robo team up on a train to try and uh, – well, Sparrow's there to, to assassinate, and he's there to capture uh, a female evil genius named Dr. Vanadis Valkyrie, uh, who has a werewolf formula that she's perfecting to create super soldiers. So it's just uh, it's just big, fun, pulpy comics. Um, I have to say one of the more appealing things from uh, from an artistic appreciation standpoint is that these nine volumes encompass, uh, I want to say, 12 years of comics. So wow. you can imagine how much Wegener's experience and, and aptitude as a cartoonist has changed over that time. So um, full disclosure, I think the first volume is is good, but it's it's raw at times. It's It's very basic and raw and I think a little two-dimensional at times, a little flat. But you can see the promise. There's a lot of life to the to the page. You, you can you can see that there's a lot of energy in life. Um, but it's not great cartooning. It's good cartooning. Uh, and then the second volume, you can see significant improvement. And although I haven't read them, I did just out of curiosity leaf through the last few volumes. And I mean, he at this point is an incredible cartoonist. So he's evolved. It's it's neat. It's going to be neat to read these volumes and and watch his progression in a much more uh, compressed time for your frame, right? Because if you were reading this as many were as it's come out, you maybe are conscious of the fact he's improved as a cartoonist, but it's going to be a lot more gradual. Just like, you know, if, if, if I see every day, my kids grow a little bit, I don't, I don't notice as much, but when the grandmother right. comes and they see him, they're like shocked at how big they've gotten. Right. It's kind of like yeah. that. But uh, it gave you the opportunity to pull back and view the the series as a whole. Yeah, it's exactly right. We don't we don't usually get that opportunity. Yeah, and I have to say, um, I, I the, these guys did an incredible job with these hardcovers. Everyone, I mean, it's you know they're matching trade dresses. Each volume has a different color uh, inset, but everything else is the same. Um, they look and they, by all accounts, if if you were to see these, it, they look very much like uh, IDW hardcovers. Same kind mm. of quality, same kind of format. Um, the only difference is the bottom logo instead of being IDW is the is their own publishing house logo. Um, and uh, I, I just can't recommend this enough. It's a lot of fun, and I don't know why I didn't read it as it was coming out over the years. It just was one of those things that never quite made the cut. And uh, I guess I'm all the I'm all the happier for that now because I get to experience it in this beautiful hardcover format. Um, I must admit I don't know if these are for sale uh, to the general public, um, but they're the the Atomic Dash Robo. So uh, www.atomic-robo.com is where you would find them if they are for sale. And I'm sure they'll be selling them at cons as well, and they will be at New York Comic Con. But, uh, yeah, man, two big thumbs up, and, and I'm going to keep reading these very quick reads. So there's a good chance that this will slot nicely into my 11 o'clockers for new to me, right? Cause, nice. uh, so we'll. Wow, that could be mine too, because I have never read any of them. Oh, cool. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, much love. Cool. Mm-hmm. Now, where the, was the designer? Of the uh, trade dress, the same as the creative team, or did they? Do you think they brought somebody? Honestly, I I don't know. I I, uh, oh, I do know. Uh, No, book designed by Jeff Powell. Cool. So they brought they brought someone in. There you go. And from what I understand, they did recolor and re-letter some portion of the early issues to match up so that there's consistency. So I'm guessing the lettering back then when they were doing it on their own at first was probably a little bit less polished. So I don't know what it looked like in the original version, but it's tight and right in this version. I frown upon that. I know, I know, but but uh, look, it's not Neil Adams redrawing a head, all right? <laughs> I said that just for Daps. For Daps. I know you did. 
No, I'm with I, I'm with you there, Vince, because it's the um, the same thing was done with the Killing Joke. So yeah, I'm I'm not just, but I, I guess if if you're gonna go all out, if if it's their their property and and they want to do it tight and right, then uh, then yeah, I mean you know you can obviously they're they have the right to. To tweak it and, and, and to make it look, you know, it's, they just want it to look as, as good as it can with, especially with that package. You're talking about all those right. art covers. So yeah, I, I can't, I can't fault them there, but I mean, you know, to know as long as it's not passed off as, oh yeah, it's, it looks just like it did originally. And, and you know, that's not the case, but yeah. Well, that's the thing. It is theirs. They could do what they want with Damn it. Damn skippy, pippy. Yeah, that was the one thing on the what was the Twitter where I got I got slammed because I said, you know, D- DC's leaving money on the table with Watchmen. It, it, come on, let's 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 put this stuff to use, and it's like my integrity's on on the line. As soon as you say there's one sentence that starts the conversation, and then everything after that sentence means nothing. Right. Watchmen is not a creator-owned property. It's true. Boom, you're done. You are finished. We're not talking about Walking Dead or Cerebus. We're talking about Watchmen. Alan Moore doesn't own it. Yes, it is regarded as the greatest series, uh, comic series of all time, okay, by a lot of people. But Alan Moore signed the contracts. He does not own it. So, therefore, nobody has a say in anything other than DC. So, stop with the whining. Don't Just don't buy it. That's exactly. all. Just don't buy it. Although I, I guess I could. Yes, he signed the contract, but considering what was, and I'll put it in quotes, promised at the time because of how things were at the time, mm-hmm. and this is yours when it's out of print. <laughs> Nobody ever expected it to keep going. So, you know, well, yeah, you know, thing. he signed the contract right. and hey, you know, it's, it's work for hire and, and, you know, you, that's, that's on him. But considering what else was going on, it, 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 there was no indication that anything was going to change with that piece of work. And, and no, and, and to be fair, they had no idea that it would remain in print. Right. The, the loophole to return the rights back to him was, was there. Or the trapdoor, whatever you want to call it. It was built in. It's not that they tried to swindle him. They, hey, when this goes out of print, it's all yours, brother. And he could have yeah, said, you know what? No, because I, I believe in this enough that it's going to have legs where it's going to keep going long after but my things children. didn't do that, though, back then. No. No. They, Nothing they, did. Exactly. Trade paperbacks didn't exist. They didn't keep stuff right. in, in constant publication. So, again, so, I, I mean, I, see, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, and I don't, I guess we're turning this into a, in a I don't know more to me, but, I, I, I think that, um, I, I don't, I think both sides there had no reason at the time to, we have no reason to think that both sides weren't negotiating in good faith at that moment. Right. Uh, absolutely. Right. I agree. Right. Now you want to argue that at some point DC started realizing they had something and stuck it to him. I mean, well, okay. That's possible. But that being said, as we know, he's a proud man and almost probably too proud for his own good. So. And it's not like he hasn't had his little uh jab thrown at at people he used to work with. And I mean, they they certainly offered him significant compensation for Watchmen that he turned down, right? Because it was on his terms, and hey, that's his right. But that paper be looking pretty good right now. In retrospect, that book built a career. That book and Swamp Thing built his career. Um, we think he's great, but he has subsisted on the, the inertia created by those books mm-hmm. for his entire career. I'll agree, sure. Yep. Absolutely. So in a, in, in, in a sense, he has made money from them only by divergent means. It came out of left field, but still, right. it wouldn't have been there had Watchmen non existed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I love, I love them both. Whatever. I don't want to see mommy and daddy fight. <laughs> yeah. Someone said yeah. on our Facebook about what episode or two ago they hate when. Yeah. And I thought, wait, when were we, when were we fighting? 
Well, I mean, any kind of dialogue that's not, that gets a little heated. It's, it's, you know, they consider it fighting, but they, they should know by now. You and I don't fight. The only ones that used to fight was me and Chris. <laughs> it's true. It is true. That's why I'm laughing. You're giggling. Dap and I and just I, be stuck and even then, <laughs> you can fight with with your your brother or and and still love him, right? Yeah, for sure. I can anyway. I don't have a brother, but if I did, I would beat the shit out of him and, and then hug him. You got two brothers at least. I'm saying, That's right? Damn, <laughs> hard out here. <laughs> My two Sicilian brothers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dap, what do you have? Oh, Tell man. Me. You know what? I, it it, it looked like a pretty good segue. But um, we'll uh, we'll table the the Alan Moore stuff for the moment. This will give you some time to to finish reading it. <laughs> to actually finish it, fucker. <laughs> I, I tried. Christ, man. I so, swear, you know what? That's the last. That's the last time I see you say, "Oh, I'm going to read," and I'm all right. I'm on it, and then I'm just all right. Whatever. I'm not going to tell I'll you. Get to it in six months. Then when you here, finally. No, here's a plan. Here's a plan. The next time I tell you, hey, Dap. Why don't you and I tag team on this? That will mean that I have already read it. Okay? What? So you have all, you should have all the confidence in the world that I'm going to follow through. If I don't bring it up, that means I haven't read it. Empty words. No. It, yeah. It's, okay. it was, it was a weird, it was a weird week because I tried to read, uh, I tried to read. I read a few things that were new. Um, Thinking that, okay, you know, let me, uh, let me, you know, cause we've, we've been doing a lot of talking about DC on the rebirth front. Yeah, uh, right. We, uh, I have none this week. We have none this week. Um, I don't have anything for this week, but I mean, I have things that I've read over the past couple weeks that we just never discussed yet. Uh, haven't read a whole lot as far as Marvel goes. So I was just like, you know what? Let me see what's coming out. Uh, from image or let me catch up on some things that have just been sitting around that I haven't finished yet. And, and, and I could talk about that and there really isn't it. I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this to become negative. I don't want this to, cause you, someone else could read this and think it's like some of the greatest shit out there. But, um, as far as some like quick hits, um, I tried, I like quick hits. First issue of Lake of fire. Who did that? This is from Image, and it's uh, Nathan Fairbairn and uh, Matt Smith on art. And I kind of had a feeling right off the bat it wasn't going to be my cuppa because it takes place in France in the 13th century. It's France, 2012. Damn 12, French. 1220 AD. Surrender monkeys. Uh, with with aliens. Uh, uh, aliens. Uh, oh, wait a minute now. Comes down and, and with the Crusades. and it, it's But it's not – it just – between all the dialogue and, and the art is, the art's pretty solid for, um, for a good chunk of it. But I just, I wasn't feeling the stuff. I wasn't feeling the characters. I, I, I didn't care about these, the, these kids wandering the, the countryside looking for the king. I just, I didn't. So it's a first issue and it's, it's a good size first issue. It's like over 30, it's like 40 some pages, I think. So, uh, she'll dig it. Uh, I, from Top Cow. Oh boy. <laughs> which, oh which boy. Has not had a good track record for me lately. I think the last thing no. I tried from them was Postal. And I was like, okay, so that's a, that's a done in one. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. been at least over a year since I. Dude, I haven't read a Top Cow book in like five years. I think years. Artifacts was the last Top Cow book that I, I was gonna say yeah. enjoyed. Uh, since, uh, Philip Sablik left, I haven't read a thing from him. It was, uh, um, but yeah, so this is a mechanism. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Lord of the Gordy. Oh, no. Uh, this is, uh, completely done by Raphael, uh, Ienso, and, or Iencho, and it's, um, the art is, oh, him. yeah, him, that guy. <laughs> the art's, the art's pretty good, but the, the it's, there's, uh, these, Again, with the aliens, they're, they're these creatures. They're they're, they're called geckos. The, the the humans are referred as geckos. Gabriel? They don't look anything like the gecko dude. It's just um, they're, they're these basically the the 
there's really not much as far as facial features go, except for rather large mouths with sharp teeth. And, and they're humanoids, so they're, they're, um, they're not Strogoyish, but they're, they just, they kind of, they look like they have those movements. So, uh, like there are a couple of cops and, uh, there's an old man and a dog. So that kind of had me interested, but then it, it's just, and that's another thing where I was just like, I don't think I'm going to continue with this one. So it was, it was just, I, there were a lot things of swings that, and misses. Yeah. And then I went and, and, and as far as, um, going back to something that I had to finish, I finally finished the six issue Vertigo miniseries slash and burn, which first couple issues I loved. Andy Parks is inking it. Max Dunbar's on pencils. I oh, say no more, right? right? I mean, Andy Parks is doing something. I'm going to check it out. And, uh, and and this was one that I who put yourself on fire. Sorry, there's a spider just dropped down from the freaking ceiling. Burn the house me. down. What the, the hell? House. Move out. I'm out. I, and now I I don't see the corpse, so I don't know if I got him or not. He's crawling up your. It's gonna go in your pee hole. <laughs> My pee hole. <laughs> Urethra Franklin. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I saw a movie with her once. She can sing like an angel. So Slash and Burn was I it it it's not like it was written by Mark Miller, but I it, it started off strong. Whoa, and, whoa, and, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because Let's Miller, have Mark Miller, please. Put the brakes oh, on. Oh, come on. Because I've because you 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 didn't read Huck? Wait, I thought you guys liked Huck. We loved the beginning of Huck. It just ended poorly. But yeah, but right. I've been loving Miller. Everything else he's done I've loved the last few years though. The only thing I've loved from him in the last few years is is um Starlight or the the Flash Gordon stuff. That, that was the that's the only thing he read recently. He wrote recently that I really enjoyed from start to finish. Um, some guys got to pull out. Empress Empress is starting, but Empress is kind of like slow going, and 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 it's not there's not much happening there. So it it's but is that the Marvel thing? Yeah, iconic, but yeah. I, isn't that like seven issues? What do you mean it's slow going? The first issue is, is a pretty cool setup, and then the second issue, it's like we're just in a, a holding pattern, and then the third, it just, it, 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 there should be some momentum, and, and when I got to the second issue, I wasn't really feeling it. It was like all of a sudden, we're mm-hmm. just, it, 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 there's nothing, propelling the story that, that I just I wanted right. to keep going and and he was fighting me every page so well uh, I gotta give him dap because he's got Jupiter Circle he's got yeah and I haven't read a lot of the Jupiter stuff so I'll I'll get to that eventually I haven't read any of it I know. well shame he's on got, you he's got Reborn coming out so and that's but I'm gonna check that out obviously because of uh, Capullo and, and, right. and Glapion Jupiter's Legacy Proper. Glapion's great. He's a, he's, a, he's a fucking beast. He yeah. is so good. Chrononauts propers. Yeah, I didn't finish that. MPH proper. Starlight loved it. Yeah, I enjoyed MPH. Starlight. I don't remember MPH. It's, okay. Um, didn't read Kickass three. Can't speak to that. Secret Service enjoyable. Nope. Didn't read it. Don't know what that is. Let's see here. Wow. Mark Miller, right? Not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mark Miller. Oh, who knew there was a Hit Girl series? Didn't know that. Yeah, I knew there was, but pass. Why pass? Uh, based on the source material. Gotcha. Hmm. Well, while you guys flounder, do you want me to bring the show up and, and talk about something? Yeah, so, else? so, so I'll talk about something he enjoyed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I. I enjoyed, um, thanks to Vince, I, I've been enjoying back issue number 91. Oh, yay. Uh, so good, right? Yeah, it, I, it, it starts off with, well, there's a little bit more of a downer than, um, when, don't you say it, when we get to what, the, the whole, you're gonna, you're gonna poop on my boy. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna poop on your boy's boy because, it bums me out. And again, this is the whole, you know, going back to contracts and work for hire. And, and, you know, these are, these are characters you're working on. Um, Steve Englehart, Joe Staten, they breathe new life 
into the character of Guy Gardner, who nobody was doing anything with. The dude was 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 forgotten about in an afterthought. Um, but because they inserted a personality uh, that made people want to read more about this character, because they did not create Guy Gardner, they they get nothing there, there. There's no royalties there for, for working on a character that, that, that preexists. And see, I, I take a real issue with that because there was a shell guy Gardner before this team mm-hmm. was, was a shell. You could argue that it's not the same character. Mm-hmm. It isn't. No, it's the same it, name. And, and I mean, and obviously the guy Gardner that, that Vince knows and loves his origins, his, his, he wouldn't be who he is. Without the handful of panels you saw he was in before then. Totally agree. But it is a completely different character and, and, you know, it's kind of, it's like Alan Moore's, Alan Moore Swamp Thing. The, the Swamp Thing Alan Moore created is not the same character that Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson created. You're right. But Alan Moore did not create Swamp Thing. So it's, it's, no. it's the, it's mm-hmm. that type of, uh, you know, you wish there'd be some sort of te- technicality or, or, or just a loophole where if you've, if you've done something to an existing character that extends its life or, or breathes new life into the character, uh, then you should see some sort of compensation. And it's not to say that they're not. That's not, if, if they didn't do anything with Guy Gardner, then there'd be no reason to have other Guy Gardner stories. And, and maybe based on that, if their stories get reprinted, obviously they'll see something. Yeah. See, that's nuts because like Bob Kane and Bill Finger mm-hmm. are get, well, their estates or whatever are get, are making bank because Frank Miller writes a really good Batman. Nobody gives a crap about the Bob Kane, Bill Finger Batman. Very few people. Let's be honest, mm-hmm. right? Dark Knight Returns, bada bing. Yeah. That, that is the Batman. And that's what drives the, the legacy. I think. No, I agree with you. And, and so the, the issue. So it makes sense to create like Dick Man and hope Alan Moore writes him once. But that's, and, and again, the, I mean, we, we, we have the argument from time to time where, you know, why would you create somebody for, why would you create a character to, to live in someone else's sandbox when you can go do your own thing? And, and a lot of times, you know, someone wants to, and again, you know, we're talking about obviously a, a, a character someone creates, not somebody, not a character who already existed and they're just tweaking, but you know, sometimes you just want to have that character live in that universe that, uh, and, and live on past you. But, uh, you're right. It, you know, then just make, Make green asshole and, and there's your guy. <laughs> uh, oh, why do you, why do you hate guy? He's so misunderstood. Well, this was the, if you read back issue number nine, I read one, it. then you yeah. kind of get an idea as to why hate is a very strong word. Uh, but there was one point in this interview where, um, when they talk about Guy Gardner and his solo series and how many changes it's the book and the character has gone through. And it's like, you know, Guy Gardner is great. When he's with other Green Lanterns or when he's with the Justice League. Because right. you're not getting I, 22 pages of this arrogant prick. Right. He doesn't work on his own. There's no. just, there's yeah, I'm with that. too much. So, um, you know, it's like, it's like you're not going to read a Reggie story or, or, or a Reggie anthology. You just, I just, I like Reggie when he's mm-hmm. hanging out with Archie and everybody else. Uh, you won't want to get caught up on, uh, Afterlife with Archie. Yeah. I, so, but, any, but anyway, uh, I mean, how, much overlooked is Joe Staten. I don't think we've given, we have not given this man his due because there was a time and I know I can pick this out of David's brain because it's there. E-Man was the shit. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that was back in the Diz. E-Man was the awesome. In that, but there was just, I, I think my first first comics was my introduction to the character because I know that he was around before first yeah um, but it was because of first comics that's kind of when I finally 
spread stories. I, I'm sure I knew the character based on Amazing Heroes and comics journal things like that. But uh, yeah, it was because the first comics where I, where I first started reading him. But that was after I knew Joe from drawing Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, Millennium. Well, see, and and that's as we we can shit on Millennium all day because it. it I, I won't no, shit on it's, Millennium. It, it's the whole thing about you know no man escapes the Manhunters. Day. There was so much cool about Millennium, but the end of it with introducing the new Guardians was kind of whack. And and mm. and some of the supporting characters that ended up being Manhunters made no goddamn sense. Doctor Jace with the Outsiders, or who who was it for Wally West? His dad. Uh, you just had these people who were just like it made no sense for that character. To right, be, right. Well, no, well they were they were shoehorning established series into this new paradigm, and it didn't make sense for everyone to conform to this thing. Like like you said with with Wally. That didn't make no. sense. So it was, so that, that mars the series somewhat. But I mean, the, the. But what were they supposed to do? Create characters, like, spur of the moment? And, oh, this person, you don't know who he is, but he's there. If it was, if, if they, said right. this, you know, a year from now, introduce some new characters. Yeah. And a year from right. now, something's going to happen. You're going to have to lose one of them. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, not just, oh, I'm going to pick this character, even though you it never showed any signs of, of being a double agent or, but it was, it, it was the, the Staten and Farmer or the, 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 the Gibson art on Millennium, just the Farmer inked them on Green, Green Lantern Corps. But, um, I enjoyed Gibson draws a lot like Staten. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a good pairing. The, uh, but sorry for interrupting you. It's okay. The, uh, there was, in, in this interview, when we're talking about Guy and and dealing with, it, it, he comes back towards the end of uh, the Green Lantern series before it becomes Green Lantern Corps with, with number two hundred one, and then he uh, he shows up in Legends, becomes a founding member of the the Justice League, and the uh, and then they do the whole one punch thing, and and changing his personality. But there are things where it just brought back some really cool memories of uh, after after Emerald Dawn 1 and 2, you had uh, Gerald Jones. Gerald Jones wrote, uh, wrote the Green Lantern series, but there was because there were three Green Lanterns of Earth, you had Pat Broderick draw the Hal Jordan series. Mark Bright drew the John Stewart stories, and uh, Joe was back to draw the Guy Gardner stuff. I enjoy Guy Gardner as a Green Lantern as much as I can enjoy Guy Gardner more than I do as a yellow ring wielding character. And definitely a lot more than Guy Gardner Warrior. Oh, that was bad. Oof, yeah, and not was. the Michael yeah, Jackson that was way. That was, I mean, the Mitch Bird art was kind of funky. And I, you know, I love Bo Smith, but. Oh, yeah, I'm not talking about the art, no, the, the story. story yeah, as far as him being like, uh, the genetically, the, the, he's an alien, he's got the, and it was just like, why, why are we reaching just, I just, that, that killed me. But, um, but I think, I am not, yes, yeah, Guy Gardner is not my favorite lantern, but I, there would probably be something missing if he wasn't around. If he didn't exist, oh, wow. then, then I definitely, there would be, he, cause he is, you, when you have a group like the Green Lantern Corps, you have, you have Hal Jordan, who's, you know, the space cop dude by the rules and, and you can't, there's just, this is the way we got to do it. And then you have John Stewart and you need somebody like Guy to, to just offset everything else. You, you, Cause in a group like that, mm-hmm. you're going to have somebody with that mentality, somebody with that mindset, somebody who just, who is a dick and, and mm-hmm. Guy fits that role really well. Yeah. He does it so well. But the, uh, aside from Guy Gardner in this issue, I, I was enjoying the, um, 
there was a a pro to pro to pro to pro to pro because they they talked to a bunch of uh they the round table included um for J. Jonah Jameson included Spider-Man writers over the years, uh, such as Kurt Busiek, Tom DeFalco, Jason's boy, Jerry Conway, Roger Stern. Come on. You, you can't have a pro to pro to pro on Spider-Man without Jerry Conway. I, dude, I said, it's my boy. Hey. Uh, Roger Stern, Marv Wolfman, and, and, uh, the one person who sort of kind of seemed to have a place here because he really didn't have any, I don't want to say he didn't have anything positive to say, but you definitely felt like when it got time to, for him to talk again is Tony Isabella, who I absolutely uh. enjoy because <laughs> I mean, the man co-created Black Lightning. I, I really like Tony Isabella, but they, they would ask him questions like, um, you know, how do you see the character of J. Jonah Jameson? Everybody gives these really, uh, detailed and intricate <laughs> answers and, and, and about, you know, the pros and cons and the dichotomy inside J. Jonah Jameson's head. And, and, you know, yes, he's a loving father and, and, and a devoted husband to Marla. And he, uh, you know, he really tries to do good because of his, his origins and, in, in, in newspapers and, mm-hmm. and he, the type of reporter he is. But yes, you know, Spider-Man's a menace. So he sometimes, you know, he gets a little arrogant. And then there's Tony Isabella. J. Don Jameson's a mess. Writers and editors <laughs> keep shifting him from villain to comedy relief to crusading newsman with the problem being that his character has become chaotic and frankly uninteresting. I'm not sure he serves a legitimate purpose in the stories at this time. Whether nice. his dad is married to Aunt May or not, I think JJJ is due for retirement. And then there was another no. one where, no. um, do you think that JJJ has a problem with superheroes in general or just Spider-Man in particular? Isabella, I honestly don't know. While he's certainly a great deal, he, while he certainly has a great deal of hatred for Spider-Man and has sometimes praised real heroes, he's also expressed disdain for all super, it's just, it's, it's like, Tony, could you just, I, yeah. On clench a little bit. I just, I feel, you know, anything Can't else. Can't wait to see oh, him at Artist Alley. Anything else you wanted to do with JJJ that you never got the chance to? The Falco. Yeah, man. He's one of those characters that you're never done with. Conway. Not really. I was very privileged, at least during my first run. I was just able to run with whatever came into my head. If there was something I secretly wanted to do, I probably did it. He's, he's still one of my favorite characters. Plus, how could he go back to the character when his head stuck up his ass? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, wait, are we on the air? Did I say that on the Rob. air? So, so then Stern, Stern says, Stern says, what I had in mind was to have him do more with his previously established publications. Busiek was like, oh, plenty. Isabella, not really. He's one of those characters <laughs> who has a word out his welcome, so he doesn't interest me. I wouldn't want to kill him off because that kind of shock value death has also worn out its welcome with me. But his life would need a major change before I'd find him interesting enough to write about. Wow. Thanks for stopping by the round table, Tony. I'm- yeah, really? <laughs> He's like, uh, Thank- not really, but did I tell you how I created Black Lightning? <laughs> Thanks for the free hoagie. Like, so I'm glad I can. They didn't want. They didn't want to talk to like. I believe they called a grinder around his way. Yes. <laughs> I see. I don't get that at all because to me, J, uh, JJ is a crucial ingredient in the Spider-Man recipe. Of course. Crucial. Yeah. No, you can't. It's. It's. He's not. He foments sympathy. Yeah. It's and it's you. And most of his attacks on Spider-Man stem from the fact of his guilt over his own actions or, or, or lamenting the fact that he hasn't done X. Sure, but, you're right. No, Spider-Man has, so he takes all that, that, those, those feelings and channels it into hatred for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man never, ever warranted any of the feelings, JJ. I don't think, but I don't think Spidey, uh, helped much if if he you know to get the last word or or to at at jonah's expense you know web his ass but, to his seat right but he wouldn't have done that if, if he didn't right. know him and if it, right if 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 peter parker didn't know jonah but if he didn't spidey's not swinging by the window 
and doing it maliciously. There's, it's, it's more of a, you know, you dissed me, I'm dissing you back kind of thing, and which is fine. Right. And diss me and I diss you back. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> but you, as, as, come on, come on. as much as, on, as much as, uh, as much as you may want to shrug off, uh, oh, Jonah, you know, he's, he's just, he, he feels inadequate next to Spider-Man because Spider-Man's saving people and all he's, you know, and he, and, and Jonah can't. And, and even though his son John is supposed to be this, this hero, uh, Jonah did. We don't need another hero. Jonah did create this. Wow. He, like that. He, he the spider <laughs> slayers. Not a whole no, lot. No. Wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> a tough room. Um, it's a really tough room tonight, man. Damn. It's, it's, uh, you can't get here on time. So you have, okay, yeah. Arlen. <laughs> Freaking Arlen. Oh my God. Very really tough room. It's, uh, it, it's, 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 <laughs> oh shit. But Jonah has also put people in harm's way by the spider slayers right. and scorpion. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, dude, okay. You know, you may not have meant to do that, but you, you, you kind of did. So yeah. All right. Let's boil it down. The Spider-Man recipe, right? Right. What are your crucial ingredients to this? But now Jason, I know it's a tough call with you because you know, you're not really invested in the Spider-Man. Yeah, but hold on a second though, dog. I mean. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying, I mean, I've read at least what, 200, 300. All right. No, that's good. So the crucial ingredients in this, I'm going to be brutally honest at the detriment to myself on this Mm -hmm. because it's going to counteract a lot of the shit I said before, but I think the crucial element